morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to a study, a small study here on the topic and concept of grace. Uh, we've taken a look a, a couple of weeks in a row at the definition of grace. And just a the reminder, we said that grace was God's free gift. It was received by faith, available to all, Christ's costly purchase with eternal benefits. We see in the scriptures many different scriptures about grace. We, we see how we're saved uh, by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. We, we can't earn it. We can't deserve it. And so we spent a little time talking about what grace is. Last week, uh, we looked at a little bit more good news. Now, there's a whole lot to say about grace, a, a whole lot of scriptures about grace. And we said that God's grace empowers us even when tempted gives energy when tired and help when troubled. And those are things that we all face. Temptations, hardships, difficulties, trials, uh, just energy draining, uh, being worn out and tired sometimes of trying to serve God and do good. So we continue and we look at grace. And here's the thing. When you and I came to Christ, we had a, maybe a pretty good picture of what grace is all about. We understand a little bit of this concept. Hey, I give my sin. I, I surrender my sin. I ask him to cleanse and to forgive me. And, and he gives forgiveness. He gives me a brand new start. And, and you might say, man, that's a pretty good trade. Would you agree with that? I say, God, would you take my sin? And would you give forgiveness? And he says yes. So we're thankful for that. Uh, we understand we can't earn it. We understand we don't deserve it. I mean, turn to look to the person next to you. Turn to look to the one across the sanctuary and just simply either look or say, listen, you don't deserve it. And you can't earn it. We can't do enough good things to somehow qualify. It's not one of those punch cards like, you know, if you do enough, you do 10 good deeds, God forgives one of your sins. I mean, you might have a coffee card like that. You might have a meal card like that. But that's not how it works with salvation and grace, right? And so we understand I can't earn it. We understand that I don't deserve it. And so at the beginning, we say, God, thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for your grace. But over time, sometimes things change. And, and as a Christian, young or, or medium or uh, medium doesn't really make sense, I'm saying. I was thinking amount of time, and somehow medium came out. So, uh, you know, however long you've been a Christian, sometimes over time, our thoughts or our philosophy changes, and then sometimes people begin to think, well, that seemed too good to be true. I mean, I surrendered my heart. I surrendered my life. I, I gave my sins. He cleansed and forgave me, gave me a brand new start. Surely, I must need to do something for this. And if we're not careful, little by little, we begin to think, or some individuals begin to think, it's too good to be true. How many of you have seen a deal that's too good to be true? What's the phrase? If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Right? Now, you, you might have 
been taken by a too-good-to-be-true deal, or you might have been intrigued by a too-good-to-be-true deal. You know, you're, you're looking to buy something, and whether it's, you know, online on Facebook or online on eBay or some of these selling sites, what you want is being sold by somebody, and it's such a great deal. I mean, it's half of what you've seen in other places. Chances are it's too good to be true. Chances are there's, there's a reason why they're trying to tempt you with that. And so sometimes that's our thought as a Christian at some point in life where we might begin to say, well, this seems too good to be true. That, that I allowed him to come and cleanse and forgive and give me a brand new start. I mean, shouldn't I need to help God out a little bit? Don't I need to do certain things. And if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into or creep into the categories of either perfectionism or legalism. A perfectionism would say, I'm going to try to prove my worth by being incredibly perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show God he, he made a great deal by cleansing and forgiving me of my sins. I'm going to live a perfect life. And legalism basically would say, I'm going to try to earn God's approval by following rules. Now, are we to honor God, obey God, follow what his word says? Yes. But we don't do that somehow to try to earn approval or somehow to try to earn the grace he's already given to us. We do that to love and to follow and to obey him. And so you take a look at the book of Galatians, and that book is written really combating a lot of these things that Paul was seeing at that church in Galatia. Chapter 3, verse 3, he writes this, How foolish can you be after beginning your new life in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You, you accepted the gift and the grace of God, but now you're trying to earn it. You're trying to deserve it. You're trying to somehow get something from God based on what you're doing. Listen, grace is a gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. No matter how good you might be. And looking out there, there's, there's some real good ones sitting in those seats. I won't say which ones. No, I'm kidding. I mean, take a look. There's some really good and godly people in this place. But no matter how good or how godly, no matter how long you have known God, we still don't earn or deserve anything from him. It's a gift. And so today we'll take a little bit of a look at how do you rest in the grace of God. Kind of going back to that freedom that comes when you surrendered your heart and your life to God. Maybe you can think back to that day. For some, maybe it's not too long ago. Maybe a few months or a few years. For some, maybe it's many years. When you surrendered your heart and your life, for some, maybe it was a, a child, maybe in a vacation Bible school, maybe in a youth camp, maybe in a Sunday school, maybe in a special service. For some, it was many years ago. And get back to that freedom of having first come to know Jesus Christ when you rested in his grace, you trusted in him and realized it was not about you. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't deserve it. 
So today, let's, let's take a little bit of a look at a handful of thoughts on how to rest in the grace of God. First of all, I want to encourage us to realize that nobody is perfect. So take a look at the person next to you. Or take a look at the person kind of across the sanctuary. If you're watching or listening online, I'm going to look straight at you here in the, uh, in the camera. Or just imagine I'm talking right to you on the podcast. And tell that person this. You are not perfect. Okay, we got to try that again. Everybody was afraid to say that. But trust me, the person across from you, the person next to you is not perfect. So let's try that again. Person next to you, person across from you, on the count of three, we're just going to say that. Hey, you're not perfect. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hey, you're not perfect. We're not perfect. Understand that nobody, none of us, are perfect. Only Jesus Christ was perfect and sinless. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4 puts it this way. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. You know, you begin to rest in the grace of God when you realize you're not perfect. We don't somehow have to live up to this concept of perfection. Now, God desires obedience, and God desires that we would honor him and obey him and follow him. But none of us, not a one of us, are perfect. God is perfect. His son, Jesus Christ, his word is perfect. But what you and I have to say and how you and I live and society as a whole is not perfect. Public and popular opinion out there is not perfect. No matter how hard we try, and sometimes we try super hard. We try to be perfect and we try to be spotless in everything we do, and then sometimes we still mess up. You ever been there? Man, you are trying so hard to maybe to watch your words, to be pure, or to be clean in our words, or to be encouraging and building up of somebody else. And then, you know, something happens and, oh, there's this cutting comment to somebody. We're trying so hard to be perfect. We can't and we don't. It is God and his word. Rest in him. You and I are imperfect people. Now, that's good news, but don't take that too far. Does that mean that God's not interested in you and I growing in him and learning more about him and seeking and desiring to follow and obey him? Doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we just forget about and say, hey, I'm not going to be perfect. I might as well just go out and sin, sin, sin some more. That's not what God says. That's not what his word says. Of course, he wants us to honor him. Of course, he wants us to obey him. Of course, he wants us to grow in our lives. And God's word is clear that when we sin, we come, we confess, and he's faithful. He's just. He will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So God desires those things, but kind of take that uh, that. Rest in that freedom of understanding and realizing you and I are not perfect. It's God who is. It's his word who is. He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. He wants us to obey. 
When we accept his love, when we accept his grace, we're saying, we're understanding, we're realizing that we are not perfect. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I rest in his grace. He knows who I am, and he loves me anyway. How many of you understand there's probably some flaws about yourself? Okay, I got a handful of head nods and, and hands raised, in other words, who are thinking, me? Flaws? What? If we're being honest, we would understand that, right? And so, yet you've got some close family members, and you've got some friends, and, and you've got some people who know the real you, and love you anyway, right? Don't you have some people like that? Maybe you've messed up and maybe you said something to a friend or to a family member that you shouldn't have or did something that you shouldn't have and they still love you anyway. That, that's powerful. That's encouraging. And as great as that is, to the nth degree above that is God who sees and knows everything about you, sees and knows everything about me, and yet still loves me anyway. I'm not perfect. I have fallen. I have sinned. God's word's clear we've all done that. So I don't need to somehow think, boy, if I've messed up or sinned at one point, I'm, I'm not perfect, and now there's no way God's going to love me. God does love me. God does love you. Understand and realize we are not perfect. He is, but he desires to cleanse and to forgive and give us that new start through his grace. Rest in his grace. So tying in, we've mentioned about his love. Secondly, enjoy God's unconditional love. 1 John 3.1. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. God calls us His children. Uh, we talk about being a son or a daughter of the King, a son, or, a son or a daughter. He says He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize we are God's children because they don't know Him. When you and I come to Christ... Not only are we a, a follower of his, we are part of the family of God, right? Part of the family of God. That's a part of why many times uh, uh, in the church people refer to as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. It kind of carries that idea of family. We're, we're a part of God's family. We're a child of God. Now, we are to serve and we are to follow him. Yes, we're a servant of the Lord, but we're also his child. And understand the concept of the, the difference of the servant and the child. A servant is accepted and appreciated based on what he or she does. We're thankful for the servant, thankful for the worker. The child is accepted and appreciated on the basis of who he or she is. They're the child. They are loved and cared for and accepted. The servant is accepted because of workmanship. A child is accepted because of their relationship. God says, enjoy this unconditional love. I love you. I care about you. I've brought you in as a part of the family. And even when you and I stumble and fall, does God love us? Yes. We understand we are not perfect. 
Now I'm going to ask you a difficult question. If you've got parent, uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent and you've got kids or grandkids, I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Are your kids or are your grandkids perfect? Okay, maybe it wasn't such a difficult question. Uh, you know, sometimes the, the thought or the challenge is, you know, parents think, well, my kid's perfect. My, my grandkids are perfect. If you're being honest, and boy, it sure seems some of you are super honest, uh, super quick. They're not perfect, right? But let me ask you a follow-up question. Even though your kids or your grandkids are not perfect, do you love them anyway? Yes. You love them in spite of their mess-ups, in spite of their imperfections. That's the way God, God looks and views us. Think back when you had some of these little ones, right? You've got a little one, maybe toddler, maybe you know elementary, and they would draw you a picture. How many of you still have a picture on your fridge or, or you know, hung up on the wall somewhere, right? Picture that they drew. And so, you know, they draw it, maybe they drew it in Sunday school, or maybe they draw, uh, drew it in kindergarten or in class, and they're so proud, they bring it home, and they hand it to you, Mommy, Daddy, look what I drew you, and you're like, it's a, it's a, and you're hoping that they fill in the blank real quick to tell you what it really is. You know, you're about to say, wow, it's a dog. No, silly daddy. <laughs> It's a giraffe. It's a house. You know, whatever. You're super off. Do, do you look at that child? Do you look at this, this painting or this drawing? You know, typically you would look at that and say, oh, that is awesome. You did such a great job. It's perfect. Now, are you lying? Not necessarily. Are you literally saying this is the most perfect piece of painting and artwork I've seen? You're really saying, for you, in your age and in your stage and, and in your stage of life, man, this is incredible. Yes, now, now Daddy can see that that's, that's really what that is. Oh, great, thanks for telling me. You know, you're not calling them literally Picasso. You're, you're not calling them Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo. You're simply saying, you're doing a great job. I understand what it is. It's, it's perfect for your stage of maturity. If you're a kindergartner, that, that looks like something a kindergartner would, would draw or paint. It, it looks perfect for where you're at. You begin to teach those little ones, right, to, to walk. And what happens when they first start, right? First, it's just enough to kind of barely stand and wobble before they fall over. And, and, and you're so excited when they take that first step. Are they running a 100-meter dash at that point? No, they're standing up. Sometimes they kind of wobble. They put the one foot out to catch themselves before they fall down, and, and you confidently declare, uh, declare they took their first step, right? We're excited about what they do. Now, we don't look at them after wobbling and taking one little step and yell at them to say, well, why don't you just hurry up and walk already? Run. I mean, what are you doing, you big baby? Yes, they are a baby. It, it takes time to learn and to grow that, that step at a time. And so you don't, you know, 
Be mean to them. You're loving them. You're caring for them. You're, you're guiding them through that process. In a much the same way, God looks at you and I, and we mess up and we make mistakes. We're learning. We're growing in Christ, and little by little, and God doesn't look at us and yell at us. God loves us where we are, desires that we continue to grow in him. But if we fall, if we mess up, if we kind of wobble around a little bit and take a step and fall, he's going to help us pick us up. Say, I forgive you. We, we come to him. He cleanses. He forgives. He gives that brand new star. But he continues to love us. Aren't you thankful for a God like that? No, no doubt, I trust that you had parents like that or grandparents like that, people who, you know, as you were growing literally and figuratively and, and, and physically, who would encourage you, who would help you. But in, in this way, as it comes to the grace of God, God looks to you and says, I love you. Unconditional love. We don't have to be perfect for God to love us. You and I are not perfect. Kids are not perfect. Grandkids are not perfect. As we mentioned before, God knows everything about you. God knows everything about me, and he loves us anyway. I'm thankful for that. Someone who knows the, the deepest inner recesses of your heart and loves you. And in case you're not sure, let me remind you of this truth. Romans 8, 31, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us. Maybe some of you need to be reminded about that today. Here in person, watching or listening online, four words. God is for you. He's for you. Sometimes the, the, the thought or the mentality, uh, that, that view of God is, you know, God is this force in the universe in heaven and he's looking down and and he's just got this fly swatter ready to swat me when i do bad some of you have that fly swatter with a fly or a mosquito and you're you're running around the house trying to get that little pest sometimes that's people's view of god god god's just waiting to smash me he can't wait for me to do something wrong just to squash me does God desire us to honor and obey? Yes. But God looks to you. God looks to me. Even when we mess up and loves us, he is for you. If he's for us, who can be against us? The rhetorical question there, but no one can be against us. Now that unconditional love, sometimes that's a little hard to accept. Because you and I know what you and I are, Right? You know you've got some mistakes, some errors, some sins, some, let's just call them idiosyncrasies, right? You, you and I have got some habits. You and I have got some things that sometimes they rub people the wrong way. We know that about ourselves. We know that we're not perfect, and yet God loves us. Rest in his grace. Enjoy his incredible and his unconditional love. Thirdly, let God handle things. <laughs> let 
God handled things. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, a, a familiar scripture, it says, Cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Let God handle it. Cast your cares upon him. Lay your burdens at his feet. Don't try to carry and, and handle them all yourself. Why? Cast them upon him because he loves you. He cares about you. You can trust in and rest in his grace. Now, I, I would honestly say I am not a fisherman. It's been a whole bunch of years since I've fished. But I do know this. When you have a fishing pole, whether it's a simple stick with a line or whether it's a fancy fishing pole, you've got to cast the line out into the water. Now, if you just got a stick and a line, you know, you might just kind of swing it and let that line hang out there. If you've got a fishing pole, you've probably got a little button that you press or depress, and so you're going back and you're flicking it with your wrist, so you're casting the line. If you keep the end of that line, which has the hook and, and maybe a little bit of the bait, if you just hang on to that, you're never going to catch anything. It's got to be cast out, hopefully deep or far into that water. You've got to kind of let go. You can't hang on to that bait. You can't hang on to that hook and expect to catch something. You've got to let go. In a similar way, are we truly trusting God and allowing him? Are we letting go and letting God? Boy, that's, that's an old phrase. You've heard that for years. Let go and let God. And we say, yes, preach it, brother. And then we go home and we, let me, let me go pick up and carry everything I've just let go of. All my burdens, all my hardships, all my difficulties. I, I laid them down at church, but boy, I, I got to pick them up. I got to carry them. I got to hold on to them again. Are we allowing God to handle things? Sometimes our desire is to kind of control everything. We think if it's under my control, it's going to be perfect. I've got this. How many of you have ever tried to help God out? I have. Chances are, if you're like me, it doesn't often go well, right? You try to help God out. God, it, it seems like nothing's happening, so I'm going to do this. I know you're busy, God. I'm going to help you out. Trust in God. Allow God to handle it. God's God and you're not. I'm not. Trust and rest into his grace and his peace. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he said, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I've learned to be content. I'm going to let God handle things, and I'm going to be content with what I have, where I'm at, everything about me. God is good. Isn't that completely opposite of today's culture? Learning to be content. That's not what today's culture is. In fact, that's not what we are by nature. We're not a very contented people. We, we tend to be discontent, right? Paul says, I've learned to be content with what I have. Everything about our entire advertising and consumer agencies, it's built on the concept of discontent. 
content, right? I mean, they want to make you so discontented with what you have that you want one of what they have. Doesn't it apply to pretty much any advertisement that you see on television? That they show you toothpaste. I mean, if you don't use their toothpaste, your teeth are going to be yellow and crooked and dirty, and you've got to buy this toothpaste, and then you'll be content. Well, you've got to eat this food. You've got to drink this brand of soda. You've got to wear this brand of clothing, this type of shoe. Whatever it is, you've got to have what they have to sell. Or your life is not complete and you are not content. You've got to drive that car, live in that house with this kind of clothing or this kind of furniture. I mean, every single advertisement you see in print, on the internet, through the television, it's all based on discontent. They try to make you not happy, not content with what you have, so you purchase what they have. God's encouraging us to be content in Him, trust in Him, and allow Him to oversee and handle your life. How many of you would, would agree, if we would do that consistently, faithfully, and allow God to handle our life, it would be much better than when we jump in and try to help God out. I'd venture to say that it would. Let God handle things. Finally, this morning, I'll encourage you to receive God's perfect peace. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, we read this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That word rest, just, just saying it, don't you feel a little bit more restful? He says, come to me. Turn to me, trust in me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Receive God's perfect peace. We, we try to do everything on our own. We try to help God out, trust in Him, let Him handle it, receive His peace, receive His grace, receive His mercy. If you're, if you're not catching it, everything about grace, everything about peace, it's all from Him. We, we're working so many times to try to make it and craft it and receive it. But trust in Him, rest in Him, and receive His perfect peace. You and I are not perfect. We're imperfect, but we can receive his peace. You and I will fail. Not that we all the time intentionally do those things, but you and I will struggle. At times, you and I will fail or fall or let people down. You've probably done that. I've done that. Not our goal. In the midst of life, God's word says, all have sinned, all have fallen short. In the midst of that, we can receive God's peace. Are you weary? Come to him. He'll give peace. Are you burdened? Not sure what to do. Not sure where to turn. Not sure how to handle all the stuff that you're facing. Turn to him and receive his 
peace in your life. Rest in the grace of God.